But I'm excited to share my story tonight. Tonight's going to be kind of um, a combo of giving you guys some lessons from my life and things God's done in my life and also kind of getting to know me. I know for a lot of you, you know me and you've heard my story and you'll hear a few new things tonight. But for some of you, um, you really don't know me. My name's Corey. This is my wife, Amber. We've been married nine years. That's basically it. That's about it. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive nerd. If you can name anything nerdy, bet I like it. Um, Star, a huge Star Wars fan. I have a Star Wars tattoo on the back of my arm. Giant Star Wars fan. Huge Lord of the Rings fan. Every time, where's the Lord of the Rings fans at? Come on, somebody. Every single time I watch Fellowship of the Ring and Aragorn tells Frodo, run, because he sees his sword is glowing blue and it glows blue only when orcs are around. Let's go, fellow nerd, front row, let's go. Uh, and then he's like, run, Frodo. And then he circles the corner and there's like 300 orcs strong and he's by himself. And he's, you guys are not vibing with me on this right now. It's nerd stuff, I'm telling you. Like, I watch, I'm a massive nerd. Um, I'm a writer, I love to write. I love to write poetry and spoken word. And I wrote a book when I was, seven, when I was in the seventh grade. I wrote a book because I got suspended from school. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I love writing. I'm a, I, I, love, I love communicating the gospel. I love what simply using words to express the love of God and what that does in people's lives. One of my favorite things in the world is, um, is meeting brand new people and experiencing different cultures. Probably my favorite thing about ministry is getting to experience so many different parts of culture and seeing the beauty in every single one of it. Where's all my Hispanics at? Hispanics, where you at? I love you guys so much. Every time we ever go to anybody's house who's Hispanic, they feed you, but that's not the end. They also send you home with food, and I love every second of it. I love people. Um, I am a huge Lakers fan. Um, Braun is finally with the Lakers. We lost some preseason games, but that's okay. Um, I, love, I love hockey as well. I'm an Anaheim Ducks fan. Uh, we won both of our preseason games against the Kings, just saying. <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm an Angels fan. Uh, times are tough. Uh, congratulations, Dodgers fans. You guys are... <laughs> yeah, I see the video of Pui without a shirt on. Like, we're going through the World Series again. I'm like, boy, you... Good Lord. Um, and I am absolutely, positively, 100%, if you don't know, a huge Oakland Raiders fan. And if you're not, you know where the door is. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I pray that God either changes your heart or you change churches. I'm just kidding. Just joking. Kind of. Hey, so tonight is going to be a little bit about you getting to know me and a bit of my story. And I think that what will happen is... Uh, is some of you will immediately relate to some of the things that has happened in my life and my story, but in getting to know me, um, I thought probably let you know what baby Corey looked like. I think we, do we have, do you, do you have the picture of young, it's not baby Corey, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna address the literal elephant in the room. Yes, my ears have been this big since I was that big. <laughs> um, I've heard it all, heard Dumbo. Um, can you, uh, are those satellites on the side of your head? Uh, can you hear Jesus with those things? I've heard it all. Um, so there's nothing new under the sun that you could give me. But that was me. I don't know what happened uh, to that blonde hair. Um, and I don't know why my teeth had such a gigantic gap in the front. But it is what it is. Um, hey, tonight, after four weeks, now tonight, the fifth week of this series, there's one thing that you guys have heard almost every single week that I want you to like get ingrained in your mind and in your heart. Here it is. You have a story, your story matters, so share it. You have a story, your story really does matter. I feel like so many people, they know they have a story, but they think their story doesn't matter, and so they don't share it. So as always, pick a neighbor and tell them this right now. Tell them, you have a story? Oh, come on now. Let's... Mm -mm. This just is not going to work. You're going to hear my story of growing up in the hood. <laughs> You're gonna... So I know y'all from Temecula Murrieta. Oh my gosh. But like, can you please just get a little bit hood with me tonight? Look at your friend. Look at your neighbor. Maybe you have to look at someone that you don't like. No, don't do that. That's going to be awkward. Uh, Lose someone and with a little bit of attitude, tell them, you have a story, your story matters, 
So share it. Yeah. Hey, would you pray with me tonight? Come on. God, thank you so much for who you are and that you're in this room and you're in this place. God, thank you that each and every one of us, we really do have a story. God, thank you that you use our stories. God, thank you that um, you write your story on the pages of our lives. God, I pray that tonight that you would speak, that you would do what only you can do. And dear God, please, please let the Raiders beat the Chargers this Sunday. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, and whoever the Rams are playing, please, God, let them lose as well. Amen. I don't have anything necessarily against the Rams. They're going to, how much you want to bet the Rams are going to the Super Bowl? I'll bet, man, they are looking so good. Someone brand new is like, does this guy, does this pastor ever, first of all, he's got tattoos, but does he ever actually get to the Bible? Yeah, dude, here it is. Come on, let's read. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read verse number 11. Here's what it says. They overcame him, them being, they being the people of God, him being Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the lamb being Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their what? Their what? Come on, guys. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to be a little bit. I know that like it's humid outside. I know some of you are already like snuggling up under blankets, binge watching Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town, but you have to work with me tonight. You will get the best out of me if I get the best out of you. I'm not black, but I wish I was and I preach like I am. So come on now. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their what? You know what that word means? Testimony simply means their story. I love this next part. It says, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The word of their testimonies. That's what this entire series has been about. The word of our testimonies, our stories. Your story matters. You need to share it. And tonight, as I share my story, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a little bit of an underlying theme. And this theme, um, it really boils down to this uh, this one sort of saying. And for, for some people, this is a dangerous saying to say to certain other people in certain situations. The saying is this, it's up to you. It's up to you. I, I know some of you are already like, I know how that would be, be a dangerous saying, like to tell someone, like, like when you're in a group of friends and someone's like, hey, where should we go to eat? And you turn to a white woman and say, it's up to you, because you're not getting an answer for at least 30 to 45 minutes. Like, I want Chipotle. No, I want pieology. I don't know why she messes with her jacket like that while she talks. My wife doesn't do that. She's like, no, 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 mind. I want Indian food. Have you, anyone ever been to Ravi's? Is that what it's called? No, Mantra. Ravi's is in Colton. Mantra. Have you ever been to Mantra? If you haven't, check it out. Get the paneer, take a masala. Trust. It's like, no, I want, I want Thai food, actually. Like, you will never get an answer when it comes to telling someone, telling, um, specific, <laughs> tell her, it's up to you. What do you want? It's not that simple. No, what do you want? Like, but here's the thing. In your life and in your story, how much you allow your past to dictate your future, it's up to you. How much you let that hurt determine your future, it's up to you. You, look at your neighbor, tell them it's up to you. How much you allow the chapter that you don't want to be living in to continue, it really is up to you. It's kind of like in, it, where's all the people who play sports? You're in volleyball, baseball, football, basketball. Who, is anybody, who in the room, you would say, yeah, oh, soccer, where's the soccer players at? Football, let's go. The true football. Um, any golf players in the room? You guys golf? I'm not talking about mini golf, like, come on, I'm miniature golf with a little wind, like, wind, thank you. I couldn't catch, I couldn't catch the word. You got my back, Quinn. Um, any cheerleaders in the room? That's a sport right there. That is a sport, man. I don't know how you do what you do. That's difficult. Um, in most sports, most sports are a team effort. In basketball specifically, I love basketball. I play a lot of basketball. Once in a while, when you don't have enough people to run five on five, you'll, you'll go to one of your friends. You'll be like, hey, 1v1? You want to play one on one? And if you lose in one on one, who do you have to blame? <clears throat> yeah. 
That's what I want you guys to kind of remember all the way through tonight's story, all the way through tonight's message, is that really it's up to you. And so many people go through their life trying to blame everybody else for the direction of their life. And don't get me wrong, there's some uncontrollable things that are out of your hands, but ultimately your future is in your hands. You're, you are really the one who determines the direction of your life and how much your past and your hurt and all of that will affect the direction of your life, amen? Hey, so tonight, have that in the back of your mind as you go through all this. Let me ask you a question. You ever have something hit you out of nowhere? It's, it's October, and I live, I live to scare my wife as terrible as possible, as often as possible. It's pretty terrible. I'm actually kind of thinking about starting a new series on my Instagram story entitled Scaring Amber. It's so easy, but it's so satisfying. Um, where's all the people who are like, you're really jumpy? Like, you get scared very easy. Let's go. Where's all the people who um, you are like, you love, love scary movies? What's the scary? You're going to love this story. You're going to love this story. Um, speaking of things coming out of nowhere, uh, I've always kind of had issues um, uh, like with my sleeping pattern. And I typically will lay in bed, come on somebody, for like two or three, four, sometimes five hours, not being able to fall asleep, staring at the ceiling like, why can't I? I feel so tired, but I can't. But anybody, any insomniacs in the room can relate. Come on. My wife is not that. She has no problem with her sleeping pattern. She has problems with her sleeping places, meaning she will sleep anywhere, any time of day. No problem. And, and she is literally, some of, this is some of you guys, she is literally the person that before her head hits the pillow, she's asleep. Like before, where's all those people at? You're like, no problem. I will pass out anywhere, anytime. Let's go. Okay, the rest of us hate you. <laughs> um, so one night, uh, we, were, we were pretty early, early on married, and we were living in Lake Elsinore, and we literally lived in like a mobile home in back of the church in the middle of a dirt field with no lights around it. Get the picture. It was a creepy living environment to say the least. And, and I'm, again, one night insomniac, like it's kicking in and I'm tossing back and forth and, and I've, I've kind of always slept on the right side of the bed for whatever reason. Um, right now it's because my, my side of the bed is closest to our bedroom door so if somebody breaks in, apparently I die first and that gives Amber some sort of peace of mind. Um, <laughs> At this place, my, uh, my, my side of the bed was closest to the window. So if anyone breaks into the window, again, I die first. And for some reason, this gives my wife peace of mind. We have life insurance, maybe that's it. <laughs> and one night, I'm tossing and I'm turning, and like, I'm going to be me. And like, you guys, you will play the part of Amber. And I'm like, huh. And I roll over. Now you be me. I'm going to be Amber. I roll over, and, and this is what I roll over to. <laughs> It's 2.30 in the morning, it's pitch black. I'm, I'm in the middle of a dirt field, with no lights around, and she's just staring into my soul. Just laying there, like, get the picture, she's laying there just like this. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> babe, you awake? She's just staring at me, says nothing. She's sleeping with her eyes open. I don't know about you, but anything with sleeping terrifies me. Like, you could come at me with like a machete and a giant gun, I'm not that scared, but if you're sleepwalking, whoo, I am running. And she's just staring into my soul. It gets way better, I mean worse, it gets way worse. Staring at me, I'm like, She goes, <laughs> it's not over. It's not over, people. I hope you're sensing the terror that was in my heart. She goes, <laughs> you think that's funny? When <laughs> I tell you, I, like, I'm all by myself, too. Like, at least you're hearing this in a room of 200 other people. And, like, you're, like, okay. And you're like, Jesus is here. We're good. I'm like, Jesus isn't here. No one else is here. My wife's going to kill me in her sleep. This is it. You know what I did? 
I just rolled over and like put a pillow in between us. I was like, dear God, dear God, dear God. I was talking about something hitting you out of nowhere. Like, <sighs> so scary. Oh my God. To this day, like just thinking about it gives me chills. Um, I wonder what she was dreaming about. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Man, in life, can I just tell you, there will be times when you roll over and there's something just waiting. There's something that's gonna catch you out of nowhere. Things are gonna catch you by surprise. And yes, life will in fact at times be utterly terrifying. It'll be very scary. And sometimes you, don't, you won't know what to do and you won't know where to go. And tonight I want to share four chapters of my story, most of which hit out of nowhere that I couldn't plan for. And some of you are going to relate to some of these. And if you don't relate to these chapters, you will one day more than likely relate to some of these chapters. And I just hope that tonight as we dig into it, what you can do is begin to realize, man, life might hit, life might get tough, but God, his promise still stands and he is still faithful. Amen? Hey, chapter one tonight is entitled Abandonment. Abandonment. Let me kick off this chapter by just saying, yes, I have experienced abandonment. I'm going to share some of that with you. But even though people come and go, let me tell you, God stays consistent. God, you might, you might have so much inconsistency in your life and the people that's in your life and you yourself, as soon as I said abandonment, some people in this room, you immediately related to that. But can I tell you, even though people come and go, God is constant. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So I was born, um, I was born into a life of drugs and my, my biological father was already gone. My mom was on drugs and me and my older brother got, take, got taken away from her. We went to, uh, luckily my aunt took us and we went and we lived with my aunt for a while. And Literally at a very young age, I was essentially abandoned by both of my parents. And so if that's you, can I just say, first and foremost, yeah, like I get you, I understand you, I get where you're at and I get what you're going through and, and it's not easy and a lot of other people who don't understand will try to dumb it down and will try to oversimplify it, but I can tell you, yes, it hurts and it's real, but you will and you can make it through. And here's how you know you can make it through is because God is constant and God never leaves you, never forsake you. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six, it says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Your father might, be, your father might not be around, but your heavenly father will never leave you. Come on, your mom might, might have decided to take off. Your mom might have decided to call it quits on the family, but your heavenly father will never call it quits on you. Your ex-boyfriend, come on ladies, he might have like, you guys were in a relationship for two years straight and started talking about marriage and all this stuff, and he took off on you too, but God will never leave you. Gentlemen, you might have dated some girl since you were in the seventh grade, you're getting ready to graduate, and senior year hit, and you're like, hey, wanna go to homecoming? She said, nah, and she left too. Let me tell you, people will come and go, but God is constant, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I hope somebody is grasping this tonight. Because if you have no other steady ground and consistency in your life, you can know this. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never give up on you. Some of you think that you have messed up so bad that God is going to take off on you, that he's going to call it quits. Because you have some baggage from your past and in your life and even the abandonment. The abandonment that you've experienced had left some scars that ends up getting you in a place where you feel like everyone continues to abandon you because you just push people off. Can I tell you, you can never push God off. He'll never give up on you. He'll never say, oh, that, that was the last straw. He'll never slip, slip you a note in eighth grade biology and say, we're breaking up. Not our God. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So my mom, she, um, she got clean. She got out of rehab. She got my brother and I. Um, she got my brother and I back and for a long time it was just the three of us and after a while my mom started getting into relationships and really getting in and out of relationships left and right guys were coming in and out of the house all of the time and really um, just about every single one of these guys ended up getting to a point where they started trying to act like 
my father, started trying to act like mine and my brother's dad, and um, just about long enough for us to kind of start considering them a father figure, and then they would take off. And this happened over and over and over again. And for me, that was tough because then when I, when I ended up getting saved, I heard that God was a heavenly father. And I remember thinking, man, that sucks because all I know about fathers is they abandon you. And my, my, um, my mom ultimately, uh, she ended up getting into a relationship with a guy named Jeff. And over time, Jeff ended up becoming abusive towards my mom. He never really put his hands on my brother and I, um, but he was very abusive towards my mom and and it was kind of this breakup, get back together, breakup, get back together type of thing until, um, until my mom ended up meeting my now stepdad, Eric. And I was probably around seven years old or so. And um, my mom had finally called it off for good with Jeff. And um, we'll just say Jeff, he was not a very smart guy exactly. And he decided one night to come pounding on the door of our apartment, um, yelling and screaming. Telling, telling us to let him in and all this stuff. He was drunk, irate. And my now stepdad, who was just friends with my mom, well, let me just paint the picture for you. Think of a man exactly opposite of me. That's my stepdad. He is big and he is strong and he is manly. I am just about none of these things. Um, and, and we will say, uh, how do I not incriminate my stepdad? He came over and made Jeff leave. And he, okay, I'll just tell you what it is. Like, my stepdad now beat up this guy Jeff and made him leave. I'm not saying this is the right thing. I'm not saying it's the ultimate wrong thing either. But we never saw Jeff again, moral of the story. And he was gone. And, and obviously that ends up turning my now stepdad, Eric, into like a knight in shining armor for my mom. And um, things moved really quickly with their relationship. Before we knew it, he ended up moving in with us. And um, let me say again, like, like, the mo like moving in together is something that for sure should only ever happen after you get married. But uh, we definitely were not um, a Christian family. We were not going to church. They were not following their faith. And, and he moved in. And right around the same time that my stepdad, um, Eric, right around the time he moved in, my biological father, Cliff, came back into my life. Get the picture. I went from no dads to two dads. I was so confused. I was like, it was none of you a week ago, and now there's two of you. Is it like a buy one, get one free at like Dad's or Us or something? Like, I don't know. So I remember, um, I remember that like we would go, my mom was not in a relationship with my biological dad. She was committed in a relationship with my stepdad. Um, but I remember going to my biological dad's house every other weekend, and all I really remember, I was young, I was probably about seven years old, um, I remember going to his house, and we would go to the park right up the street. We would hang out, we'd play at the park, and I remember he always ended up having really big bags of toys um, for me and for my older brother. And um, When you grow up without money, like that's a really big deal to show up and get a big bag of toys every single time you see your dad. And so I remember sort of getting to a place where, um, where I, was, I was like, not, not to sound like, uh, uh, trivial or anything, but I was getting to the place where I was falling in love with him and starting to consider him my dad. And right around that time, we went back to his house on a weekend, knocked on the door, and somebody else answered. And my mom immediately kind of went into a panic and was like, hey, where's Cliff? Like, what's going on? And, and the lady responded, well, Cliff, he, uh, he moved away. And my mom immediately started freaking out and was like, hey, did he leave a phone number? Did he leave an address? Did he leave anything? She said, he, ne he didn't leave anything. I'm sorry. And I never saw my dad again. Yet again, this chapter abandonment hit my life again. But can I tell you that really, ultimately, it was up to me how much this was going to define my life and how big of a part of my story this was going to be. And can I tell you, I for sure responded horribly to this for a very long time. And it really defined so much of my story for a very long time. And I really let it direct my path and my story and my future for a very long time. But I had to come to a place, and I did come to a place one day where I said, it's not going to be the defining feature of my story, and I am going to rise above my circumstances. Because just because you were abandoned doesn't mean you have to do abandonment as well. And let me tell you this, you can't be abandoned and adopted at the same time. 
Let me explain. God has adopted us into his family. So if now we are adopted into God's family and you've accepted Christ into your life, that means you're a part of God's family. The Bible literally says he's adopted you into his family. So now, as you are now adopted, you're no longer abandoned. You get what I'm saying? You used to be abandoned. You can't sit and say, I'm adopted and abandoned. No, you're not. You were abandoned. You're adopted now. And that's the place where I had to get to in my life. Those of you in the room who don't know your fathers, you have to decide one day. It's up to me. Am I going to be the same or am I going to be different? Those of you who your moms weren't around, you have to decide, am I going to be the same or am I going to be different? See, and we can, we can even move over into the story of my stepdad because, yeah, my stepdad moved in when I was seven, but I never even really saw him because he was working two, three, sometimes four jobs to provide for his new family along with his two other kids from his previous marriage. And so I never saw him. And see, kind of like you, some of you have parents that like, yeah, they're around, but they're not around. And even though your parents are still together and, yeah, they sleep at the same house every single night, you still feel abandoned because you don't ever even see them. Can I tell you, it is up to you on how you're going to walk that out. It's up to you on how much you're going to let that hurt and that pain define you and drive your life. So can I ask you something tonight? Can we tonight collectively together say, hey, we are not going to allow that to determine that. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to forgive and let go. And I can tell you that, yes, it is possible. And I don't have to tell you that because some book says it. I don't have to tell you that because I'm a pastor. I can tell you that because I've lived through it. It's part of my story. You don't have to live abandoned. You are adopted. All right, next chapter. After abandonment, I, I kind of moved into a chapter called searching. Called searching. Is anybody else, you hate losing stuff? Like you wake up. And isn't it always like first thing in the morning when you had planned to wear a certain something with a certain outfit and then you wake up and you can't find it? Who has siblings? Go to, blame your siblings. Isn't that like facts? You're like, where are my boots? And you're like, you are four sizes bigger than me. I would never wear your boots, but it's like the go-to. They touch them for sure. They put them somewhere, probably in the freezer. Like, go check. I hate losing stuff. And I will tear my house apart searching for the most insignificant items. It can be anything. And just not knowing where it's at, like it tears me apart. After my, um, after my, my biological father left, and, and I'll just say like there was a lot of issues within my family, some really serious issues uh, where I didn't feel like I was at home in my own house. I didn't feel like I belonged in my own family. And so what I started to do was I started, I started searching. I started searching for love and fulfillment and purpose and validity and a bunch of different things. I started with friends. And really, um, searching for those things in friends, I started searching for those things in um, all the wrong kinds of friends. And I grew up in East Riverside, so that's like Diet Compton, for those of you who have never been to East Riverside. East Riverside is the place that you floor it past when you're trying to like get to the mountains. Like, don't stop, keep going, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I grew up. And, and there's a very big uh, kind of gang mentality in East Riverside, and I started kind of getting, at a very young age, getting sucked into that because I saw this sense of family and community. And so I started getting pulled towards that, and I turned to all the wrong friends. And what I can tell you is that none of those friends ever brought the fulfillment that I was looking for. So what I did next was I turned to fun. And I'm not just talking about, like, the bad kind of fun. I know for most of you, you're probably already thinking, like, oh, he's going to talk about partying. He's going to talk about this and that. Well, yeah, sure, there was that stuff. But there was also just the average, regular, innocent fun. I gave my life to skateboarding. All I cared about was skating. Day and night, like, all I wanted to do was skateboard. All I wanted was four wheels and that, that piece of wood underneath my, my feet. That's all I wanted. And that never delivered. That never gave I, It was fun. Like, I was passionate about it, but it never delivered this sense of fulfillment. So I turned to other kinds of fun. I did start partying. I started smoking weed. I started hanging out with all the wrong kinds of people in the wrong kinds of places. And can I tell you, none of those things ever fulfilled. And I'm not going to lie to you and try to say, like, oh, and it, was, <laughs> it wasn't even fun. No, like, it was fun. It was, the Bible doesn't even say. The Bible says, yeah, sin is fun temporarily. For a short period, and it was for a very short period. But you know where all of that led me? 
into a deeper, darker hole where I started facing even bigger issues. So then you know what I did? I turned to relationships. And I started trying to find that fulfillment and that validity in different girls that I would date. And I just started dating girl after girl after girl after girl. And no relationship ever brought fulfillment. No relationship ever, ever, ever made me feel like, oh, and like I've arrived and this is it and this is what I've been looking for. None of it. Can I tell you that it is dangerous business looking for your fulfillment and your validity and your purpose in fun or in hobbies or in people? Those of you who raised your hands a moment ago and you said you play sports, you're never going to find your identity in that sport. And one day you won't be able to play that sport anymore. I skate now and I fall and I feel it for three days. I'm like, I am not going to be a diehard skater anymore. It's too much. That's why I play basketball. You, you fall in basketball twice in a game probably. Like, you're not going to be that sore like you are when you skate. Like, you're not going to be able to play that sport forever. Don't put your identity in that thing. Ladies, um, like I, I am sorry to tell you that your Disney prince will not bring you that fulfillment. I know like you're sitting around waiting for Aladdin to like swoop up on his magic carpet and like if he ever does, don't go on that ride. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like don't, he probably doesn't even have insurance, all right? Like if you guys get in a wreck, you're done. But you're not going to find fulfillment there. Gentlemen, you're not going to find fulfillment in any, in any relationship that you're in, the only place you will ever find true fulfillment is in a relationship with God. And once again, I'm not even telling you this because the Bible says it, I'm, and it does. The Bible does say this stuff. I'm not even telling you this because I'm a pastor and I have to tell you. I'm telling you this because I've lived this, because I've gone and I've looked other places and nothing else worked. You will not... The, all the things that people will, the voids that people will fail to fill, God will fill. It's called true fulfillment. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So many people are out there searching for how can I live life to the fullest? This is how. By living a life for Jesus. Many of you are on a search, you're seeking. Some of you are in this place and you're, you're on this search, you are seeking, you're looking for that fulfillment. And can I tell you, look no further. You found it. This is it. No, not this place, not even the people sitting in this place, not this building, not a pastor. It's a man named Jesus who loves you so much that he sacrificed everything for a relationship with you. He's the one who created you. He's the one who designed you. His plan for you is better than any plans that you have for yourself. You've found it. This is it. You can stop looking. And in a little bit, I'm going to give you the opportunity to say yes to that plan. I'm going to give you an opportunity to step in to that relationship. Because like me, you're in a place where you're searching. Like me at, at 13, 14, 15 years old, you're in a place where you're trying to find fulfillment and nothing is working. And maybe that's the exact thing that brought you here tonight. Can I just say that um, this, is, this is why, isn't it funny how in relationships uh, you will be in love, quote unquote. Can, can I ask something of the high school ladies in the room? High school ladies, please take time, maybe tonight even, to go talk to some junior high ladies and let them know whoever they're dating, they're not in love. Because they don't want to, can I tell you high school girls, they won't listen to me. I keep trying to tell them like, hey, junior high boys are stupid. I love you junior high boys. It, you guys being stupid is one of my favorite things about you. Because I just want to still be stupid sometimes. And like no one else will let me do that. So I hang out with junior, I became a youth pastor so I could do these things, okay? And so junior high boys, I love that about you. Um, but junior high girls, they're not ready to be in a relationship. They... They really love ketchup so much that they'll drink it straight out of the bottle. That's their interpretation of love. G high school ladies, they don't want to listen to me. Can you go tell them? And isn't it funny how you'll be in a relationship where you're in love, and the same person you're in love with two weeks later will be your worst enemy? Isn't that funny? Like, you were best friends, in love, soulmates, two weeks ago, and now you hate each other. Why is that? I'll tell you, thanks for asking. 
Here's why that is. It's because you get in a relationship, and ultimately, if you don't have a relationship with God, what ends up happening is you're searching for fulfillment, you're searching for identity, you're searching for purpose, you're searching for validity. And so what you do is you get into that relationship trying to find those things in the relationship. So ultimately, what you're doing is you're looking at that other person, asking them to fulfill things in your life that only God can fulfill, a.k.a. you're asking them to be God in your life. And can I just tell you, like, they will fail every single time. I'll fail at being God. You want to try to make me God? I will fail. I promise. I will fail. I will fail super quick. Give me five seconds flat. I'll fail at being God so fast. But so many people get into a relationship, and then what happens is, is they fail, and so you blame them. You say, well, it's you. You're not fulfilling me. You're not, you're not bringing that, that identity that I thought I would have, and you're not bringing that the, the purpose and the fulfillment and the love that I thought I would experience, so it must be you, and you break up, and you get with someone else. You're like, oh, this isn't working either, and so you break up, and then you get with someone else, and you're like, nobody is worse. It's, it's not them. It's you. Look at your neighbor. T- tell them, tell them, it's you. <laughs> tell them, tell them, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's me. The classic breakup line, it's not you. It's me. It's not them. It is you. It's not you. It is me. Because it's only you. And when you go into a relationship, relationship searching for that fulfillment, it's you. Can I just say this? Um, if, you, if, you, if, if, if you find yourself like, man, I've dated 12 guys. And they've all been scumbags. Can I just say like, you're the common denominator. Gentlemen, if you're like, all I've ever seen to date is girls that want to, that they just walk all over me and they're jerks and they're this and they're that. Like girls are just, they're the, you're the common denominator. It's not them, it's you. Because you will bring in expectations into a relationship if you don't have a relationship with God that they will not be able to meet. And ultimately, some of the greatest of people in your life will end up becoming your greatest enemies because you expect them to fulfill something that they can't. You, ex- you expect them to pay a bill in your life that they cannot pay. So stop searching for that fulfillment. It, it is dangerous. So I'm searching and I'm searching and I'm searching and I'm not finding fulfillment anywhere. I'm not finding um, that purpose and that. I'm not finding even the love that, that I wanted anywhere. And that led me to this next chapter, one I think a handful of people in the room will likely relate to, and it's a chapter called Depression. And um, can I just say, like, when it comes to, to this chapter, um, I know for some people you'd be like, man, it's hard to even imagine Pastor Corey struggling with depression. Um, you're always kind of joking, and you're always kind of um, smiling, and you're really loud. You don't even need a microphone for that. Um, it's hard to imagine, but... But I was, I was, I was struggling with it. And if you continue to search for fulfillment and love and everything else in the world, I'm not making an educated guess that, the, that this is a place where you will arrive, that this is a chapter that will be a part of your story. I'm not making an educated guess. I'm telling you, this is where you will arrive. And it's where I arrived. And it's where I was at. And it's what I was living in for a really, really long time. Can I just say, um, it was weird being... It was weird being the class clown at school and facing depression at home. And can I say that sometimes, um, sometimes it's the people you least expect that are struggling the most. Sometimes it's people at school who have the biggest smile that are really struggling the most. Sometimes it's people at school that are the class clowns and are the ones always making everybody else laugh and joking with everybody else that at home they're struggling. And see, this is why it's so important for you to share your story, because I'm never going to meet those people. And, and, and Hannah and Levi and, and David and Kai and Jazz and Rocky and Tyler and Chandler, we're never going to meet those people. But you see them every single day. And your story can be the very thing that helps shift what they're dealing with and what they're going through. Can I say something about depression? Um, depression... It's just one chapter. It's not the whole story. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to hear that because right now, what you're in right now, you feel like it's the whole story, but it's not. Can I tell you, young person? It's not. It's just a chapter. And you could go to any book ever written 
and read chapter five and it's not gonna make sense and it's gonna be confusing and it's gonna be dumb to you and it's gonna be like, this is so, this doesn't make any sense. And what you're going through right now, it's like chapter five and it doesn't make sense and it feels so uh, uh, confusing and it hurts and it, well, you know why? Because you haven't got to chapter six and seven and eight yet. Depression, it's just a chapter. It's not the whole story. Let me say it like this. It's for now, it's not forever. And I know your feelings will trick you into thinking that it's forever and you're never going to feel any better and you're never going to go through anything better. Can I tell you, young lady, you don't have to have it all together all the time. And I know some of you who like, you, like Chandler, you heard Chandler's story last week and, and you think like, well, because I'm in church and because my parents go to church and because I grew up in church and because I have a relationship with God, because I love Jesus, I have to have it all together all the time. I can't be struggling with depression. Are you kidding me? I have Jesus in my heart. Young lady, you don't have to have it all together all the time. We all struggle. Young man, you can stop hiding behind the jokes. Can you just open up for a moment and let us walk this journey with you? Me and a couple guys, uh, um, we do something called Mini Man Meeting Mondays. Mini Man Meeting Mondays. And it's just some guys getting together and talking about life. This last uh, uh, Monday, Tyler, where you at, Tyler? There you are, dude. Monday, what, did we get together Monday or Tuesday? Monday. Monday, we got together at Bean, me, Tyler, uh, Johnny, and Tamez, and, and we just talked about that. We chose a topic of what, what does it mean to be a good husband, and we just talked about that. That's how you, like, you can get into some relationships like this where, where the topic of what your discussion is going to be is, how do you make it through depression? And can I tell you, there's not a single person in this room, and maybe in some other churches, but not in this room, that if you went up to them tonight, if you went up to your connect group leader tonight and said, hey, I'm dealing with depression, none of them are going to go, I can't believe you. You should have more faith, because that's the answer. Like, nobody's going to do that. We're not those people. We will probably just say, wow, I'm here for you. Can I pray with you? Here's my phone number if you ever need to talk. If you need someone to text, if you just need someone to say, hey, will you pray for me? Those are the people in this room. It's for now, it's not forever, but it's also a struggle that you won't get past on your own. You need a family, you need a pack. And here's something that I learned about, um, here's something I didn't learn until after I got saved when it comes to depression. Probably the greatest cure for depression is something called hope. And the greatest hope that Christians have is that we're on, we're on our way to a place called heaven. And that place the Bible describes as paradise. Picture it like this. If you could go on an all-inclusive paid trip to anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? Shout it out. Where would you go? Anywhere in the world. Hawaii? Where else? Tahiti? Heck yeah. I'd love to go to Tahiti. Canada? <laughs> I'd go, go to Canada and see Bieber. <laughs> imagine... Imagine you're going to Paris, France next week, right? Like you've got your tickets, like they are bought, you're leaving Monday, right? But imagine Friday, your math teacher, like always, is giving you attitude. Like isn't that so much easier to deal with? You're like, girl, I don't care. I'm seeing the Eiffel Tower on Monday. Like I'm going to paradise in a couple days. I'm gonna eat crepes at Notre Dame. Like, I am going to go look at the Mona Lisa. And so, like, your face, your ugly face, sorry, it's just not gonna bum me out when I get to go see the Mona Lisa. Like, let me say it like this. If we're on our way to heaven, then we can have hope now. Let me say it like this. I can go through hell now if I'm going to heaven later. And this is the hope that we have. But if you don't have that hope and you feel trapped in depression, it's probably because you don't have that hope. So tonight, you can have that hope. So stop getting focused on the here and now and begin to get what's called an eternal frame of mind. Think about eternity often. Because here's the thing is, one day you will stand before God. You will. And guess what? It's just going to be you. Your friends aren't going to be there. Your parents aren't going to be there. Your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend, they ain't going to be there. You ain't going to be able to point at them and be like, oh, but they're to blame. They were the terrible one. It'll just be you. And you will have to give an account for your life. And then if you have 
The one question really is, what did you do with Jesus? And if you have accepted Jesus, you get to go into paradise forever and ever and ever and ever. And let me tell you, Hawaii doesn't compare. Paris doesn't compare. Tahiti doesn't compare. Fiji doesn't compare. No place on earth even comes close to the paradise that heaven will be. And so, of course, we can deal with anything now if we know that forever is going to be spent there. And if you don't have that hope, you can have that hope tonight. Band, if you guys can start heading up, we're going to close this thing down. Can I tell you this? Um, I know you hear me say this a lot, but don't follow your heart. Your heart will trick you. It'll lie to you. <clears throat> Teenage girls, <clears throat> it will deceive you. Teenage guys, too, but let's be honest. <laughs> I love him so much. When did you meet him? Uh, three days ago. It's awesome, okay? Yeah, I love him. He's the best. What's his middle name? I don't know. Like, you hear me say this a lot too. Don't listen to Disney. Like, they give terrible advice. Horrible advice. Absolutely positive. Like, think about the plot of Aladdin. He lied to her. Like, identity theft. Pretended to be royalty. And then he wasn't. And then she's like, uh, it's cool that you lied to me. Like, don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to your feelings. Because your feelings will lead to disappointment. And faith will lead to fulfillment. If you walk in faith, what then happens is that actual, real fulfillment starts to come in and God will begin to filter your life in such a way where even relationships flourish. So the next chapter of my story is called Calling. I was uh, 15 years old. I was going to John W. North High School in East Riverside and, and um, I was doing things that most 20-year-olds hadn't ever done. I was hanging out with people that were twice my age and up to no good and and one day, uh, one day I met this kid named Kevin Calzia. I had him for fifth period. Uh, he was a TA in that class, and I, it was English um, language arts for me. And, and he invited me to a Christian club at school. And I, I, my parents, like, raised me with really good manners. Um, they were always like, hey, show respect. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No. Like, hold doors for the ladies. Like, be polite to people in authority, all of that. And so I was really polite. So politely, I lied to Kevin. I was like, yeah, man, like, totally. I will be there at your Christian thingy. Um, I'll go next week for sure. And so he's inviting me over and over. And that week, I didn't go. And the next week, just like unfazed, Kevin invited me again. And I told him, yeah, I'd go, and I didn't go. And the next week, like, he invited me again, and again, I didn't go. And he was just, like, not phased at all. He was just consistent and continually inviting me. See, some of you have been hearing my story, and you're like, man, I don't really relate to this. That's because you're not Corey. In this story, you're Kevin. And you're Kevin in somebody's story. And you're the one that's got to continue. Because without Kevin, there wouldn't be Corey. Like, I wouldn't be here today if not for goofy, tall, slim, blonde Kevin Calzia invited me to Bible Club every week. Because one week he said, you should go. And I was like, I will be there. And he said, seriously, there's going to be free pizza. And I was like, I will be there. I promise you that. And I did. I went. I got my uh, slice of Little Caesars. And then at the end, this guy named Josh said, hey, Jesus took a chance on you. You should take a chance on him. And I just remember thinking, like, how much sense does that make? If he really did, 2,000 years ago, give his life for me, I remember thinking, what do I have to lose? I ask you tonight, those of you who are searching, like, the page of your story, it just flipped. And this next page, the chapter is titled, and the title is Calling but all the pages are blank and it's up to you on what these next words are gonna look like. I responded to that call that day. My entire life changed. All my friends changed. What I was doing changed. Everything changed. Flip ahead a couple pages. I went to Pinecrest in uh, 2008 as a youth leader and I ended up um, sitting in the back, like way left part of the room and my life again seemed to seem like it was falling apart. Even though I was now saved, it seemed like a lot of my life was falling apart. I was homeless. I was living out of my car. I was on my way to RCC trying to become a cop. I know what you're thinking. Good thing you didn't become a cop. I know. Like, I'm with you. I'm on your team. I would have been a terrible cop. But that's what I was going to do. I was going to do criminal justice. I'd been a police explorer for four years that like all my eggs were in that basket. And my life's falling apart. And 
And I asked my youth pastor one day, why? Like, what's going on? And he's like, I, I can't tell you for sure, but I can I ask you, have you ever prayed, God, what do you want for my life? What are you calling me to do? And it hit me. At 19 years old, having been saved like four and a half years, I never prayed that prayer. So I remember, back left side of the room, I had a Capri Sun straw in my hand. Don't ask me why I remember that, I just do. I sat there, and fiddling that straw, I prayed probably the most simple prayer you can imagine. I said, God, if you tell me what to do with my life in this service, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I was like, I was 100% serious. I was like, God, you come through, I'll come through. You tell me, you tell me to do anything, God, anything. Tell me to move and go, move to Africa and go live in some mud huts for the rest of my life. I'll do it. Just tell me. So the preacher, he starts getting up on stage and starts giving his intro and dead in the middle of a sentence, he stops and, and he says, I can't move forward without saying this. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now. And he said words that changed the direction of my life. He says, someone in the room, you're on your way to become a police officer or a firefighter, something like that. But God's calling you to ministry. It was seven minutes before that, that I just prayed that prayer. I was on my way to become a police officer. Don't tell me God doesn't do miracles. Don't tell me God doesn't talk to his people. This is a chapter in my life called Calling Episode 2. The next day I met directors of an internship in Lake Elsinore, so in a matter of 48 hours, God gave me the what and the how. And now here I am, 10 years later, still living this chapter entitled Calling. And I can tell you, there is fulfillment and there is the love I've always, I was always searching for. There is the identity, there is the validity, and so much more, John 10, 10. He'll, he will give you life and life to the fullest. I can tell you right now, I've lived a full life. And not because I've been pursuing God, not because of my own strength or because I'm so awesome or because, no, because I gave my life to God. I gave the pen of my life to him and said, God, you write the story. And it's been one better than I could ever, ever write. For some of you, the page of your life, it just flipped, sitting in this room. And on this side, it's titled Calling. Every, God, will, God is calling every single person. This plan, this relationship, this purpose, it's for everybody, every single person. It's just about whether or not you'll answer. This is your moment. This is your time. Mine was 15 years old at a Bible club because there was free pizza. Tonight's your night. God's calling you. Would you answer?